0: hi my name is john and my name is chris and, and this, this is stay, stay on, on target
1: hey everybody welcome to stay on target we are your hosts
0: you can find us online at
1: stayontargetpodcast.com that's right john this is episode 107 107 <laughs> dude. Uh, eagle eye over there yeah I, i'm gonna have to squint <laughs> and like close one eye <laughs> and i could tell what it was
0: (laughs) this week on the show uh we are testing our vision Mm -hmm. and in addition to this uh we are going to be reviewing the house of wolves uh dlc for destiny
1: yes yep so we won't talk about that right now no but what have you been up to this week john
0: um what have i been up to other than playing uh destiny house of wolves um, let me see. What did I do this weekend? You go first because I know oh. I know you've got some exciting things. What you, what have you been up to this week?
1: Um, uh, so I went to St. Louis over Memorial Day. Went to a Cardinal baseball game, which is amazing. Got awesome. a 1985 replica uh, ring, uh, championship National League championship ring, which is why really why are cool. you just wearing that all the time now? I, I should have been. I should have it on right now. I don't know why. Um, I will amend that situation and wear it from now on. You
0: totally need to. It just needs to be on your finger all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um did you so you did try it on then like does it oh, fit? Yeah.
1: yeah, it fits. It fits on like your ring finger. That's my, amazing. or my ring finger.
0: That's amazing. That'd yeah. be way too big for mine because like I've noticed like okay, so every time like whenever I go into places, a lot of times they'll be like, "Oh, here's the average size of, you know, someone's finger." Yeah. And I put it on and it's like,
1: so you're saying you have tiny tiny this? fingers." I really
0: have like these really spindly fingers. You know, it's, ghostly fingers. Yeah, it's like if you were to put like really long fingernails on, I could be like a the you know a, a witch from that's Disney gross. movies and stuff. Long fingernails you know? are gross. Yeah, the other thing is like it's weird because I have to have a ring that's big enough for my knuckle uh-huh, to uh-huh, go over my uh-huh, knuckle, uh-huh. but then it's like there's a lot of space past the knuckle, mm-hmm. and so like it's still loose, It rattles around. Know, very strange.
1: Anyway, it's, I don't it's, know. It's, it's a problem. I don't know how to, how to tell the you to handle that. number one ring podcast yep. on the internet. That's right. Um, so. And uh, other than that, man, like, uh, I haven't really been up to much. I caught up on my um, – or I, I've been keeping up with the Star Wars comics. It's yeah. really cool. Um, so what I've been loving lately um, is – Marvel's inclusion of a digital copy inside their mm. uh, print editions because like last la- this past weekend I was gone the weekend before that I was out of town yeah um, on, a, on a trip and so what I've been doing is I just I go pick up my comics and then I peel off the codes put them in my phone real fast yeah. and then I read them while I'm uh, on the trip yeah I mean it, I love it and the other thing that's really cool about those is that they
0: give you codes for other comics too uh, within the pages of some of their comics like where it'll be like hey We're starting a new series. Here's a code for the new, the first issue of the new series.
1: Has this happened to you? No, in the pages of the comic. I don't really pay attention to the ads. Yeah,
0: maybe I should. You should because like I have a bunch of them that I've peeled off and like and uh, and gotten on my phone and like tried out new comics, and it's only a digital copy. But it's like, hey, um, free comics is free comics, and uh, yeah, but yeah, I I love love the digital thing. Uh, DC did their like digital first. Or digital, not digital first, but they did their digital like uh, same day and date, right? um, Which then Marvel promptly decided to do day and date as well, and to offer you a digital copy along with your physical copy. Yeah, I
1: kind of feel ripped off now by DC. Now, like, I mean, I buy their comics, and there is no digital copy, and so I'm like, man. So what's really funny? I have bought uh, back
0: um, during what was it the the. Zero year of Batman, like whenever they were in that series, there was one variant cover Mm -hmm. that was uh, awesome, and it was just like a, a different color kind of variant, and I bought that one for $10, so you get the variant issue... And a digital copy of it. Oh, wow. And so it was just like, it was like, I don't know, like, I don't know what I'm being charged for here. They're putting it in only the variants? Well, like, it seems like there are sometimes, or maybe all the time, who knows, they have variants and a digital copy. So, like, you get, you get not only get the digital copy with your thing, so you're buying a digital and a physical, but you're also getting a bonus different cover. I don't know. It just seems very strange to me, and it's very confusing with DC.
1: Yeah, it's weird. All I'm gonna say though, DC, you up your game. Yeah. Marvel's uh Marvel's shown you up.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. Agreed. So in other comics news, let me see if I can find never mind. I, I, I didn't think we were going to be talking about this but uh there is a netflix style subscription thing for digital comics that you can do Mm. and it has basically all the digital comics you want yeah like it's a subscription it's like a monthly subscription and you can read anything in their backlog and they have like every single dark horse comic um
1: from history or something
0: like that i often let me find find their uh their twitter and site and stuff
1: that's cool if i was like so man i mm, so i would probably subscribe to that If it involved like the new releases from DC and Marvel, Mm -hmm. where it was like, hey, pay 10 bucks a month and then you can read all the new releases. They would never do that, they're making too much money off of off of everything every single month well so you know how like physical
0: books sales over the years if you like chart sales of physical books like it goes down like it's been going down or whatever comics is actually the only like physical industry and the like literary stuff that actually has been going up gradually um like very slowly but it's like comics are on a definite incline right now so well i mean you know unlimited comic books just 8.99 a month what does it include? Um, let me see. Take a peek at our library. You can get like Battlestar Galactica. Um, let me see. Red Sonja. So a bunch of dynamite stuff too. So Red Sony has been really good too. Um, Is that all
1: like recent stuff?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are these these recent ones. They're so. current? Yeah. I mean, Endangered Weapon B. So, I mean, that was, that was a free comic from um, I think two years ago or something like that. And it's like you can probably read the whole entire run uh, up to this point on that. But yeah, they release new comics every week.
1: Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if that included, you know, like I could read all my DC comics and then also try out some like Marvel comics for the same price, I, yeah. I'd probably pay, pay up to – how much would you pay for something like that with, if you added on DC and Marvel on top?
0: I would probably pay – I mean, it's like, okay, so you think about all the comics that I, I buy every month. Right. And probably, I mean, at least – you know 12 15 bucks a I'd month.
1: pay I'd pay $15 for
0: Marvel for that. And, and DC yeah for sure oh. I mean right now it's 8.99 and you get a lot of the like a lot of the image comics I think I'm seeing here What's the website um it is comicsfix.com. Hmm.
1: So. I'm gonna check that I'll put a link to this in the podcast on Stamtarget Podcast.com. So go there and check it out. Go there and check it out. But yeah,
0: it's it's really cool. I mean, I and uh and they're they have like a free trial that you can try as well. So it's like read as many as you can in the next you know, week. So they're hmm. doing the whole Netflix kind of thing where they suck you in and
1: then you can't live without it. They get you start on series and Exactly, all stuff. exactly. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Um Cool. So yeah, I've been catching up on, on stuff like that. Um, I'm still uh, still like working through my backlog of DC comics. Still like collecting some that I uh, that I missed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. so that's kind of kind of what I'm up to. Um, you also went to see um, a movie. Oh yeah, I also went to see the big one. This yeah, is the sorry. one that I've been like I was teeing you're, you you're up for, prodding me to yeah. talk about this. I uh, I want to hear about it, too. I promptly uh, forgot about it after we started <laughs> this podcast. So last night, um, I went to a pre-release screening of San Andreas uh, with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as the lead. And uh, it was really good. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, number one, of disaster movies. I'm a fan, number two, of The Rock. Oh, yeah. Um, and number three, I'm a fan of A Good Time. And it had all those. <laughs> Checked all three boxes for me. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I mean, it was just a, it was just a, a great like you know action flick. It's it's got you know hits all a lot of good emotional beats. Um, uh, I would like the music was amazing. It was written oddly enough by Carlton Cuse, um, who was uh, one of the writers of Lost with mm-hmm. Damon. Uh, uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, Damon Lindelof, yeah, and uh, yeah, so it was it was really really good. Did it end well? It ended well. Oh, good. I mean, good. It's a disaster movie. Yeah. So you know, obviously things aren't well. Well, so
0: obviously, like the world isn't like fixed. Exactly.
1: You know? But uh, yeah, like I mean, it's a satisfying conclusion. It's not like you know, I don't want to give too much away. Well, don't don't give anything. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying not to. Okay, I, I will stop asking you to give <laughs> things away, Chris. Yeah, but it, man, it, I demand uh, spoilers. Has of a, the
0: biggest kind.
1: It has a lot of lot of action. Um it's it's a it's a fun movie, a fun summer romp. So, uh who would you recommend this movie to? Everyone. Everyone. Man, if you yeah, I mean, it, it's it's got it's just fun, man. There you go. Yeah.
0: No, I mean that's awesome. I I plan on seeing it. I also haven't seen Mad Max Fury. Oh my gosh, dude! Which I definitely need to go check out.
1: One of my favorite movies of the past year.
0: Um, So, if you're going to go see a movie uh, and you have the options of uh, Mad Max, Mm -hmm. you have the options of Tomorrowland, and you have the options of uh, of now San Andreas. Andreas. Like, if you haven't seen either of like any of them, which one would you choose to see? Like, what would you recommend someone go to check out? Depends what my mood is in. Okay. Um, You're right. You're right. Because you have to be in the right mood for, like, a disaster movie, I feel like.
1: I don't know. It's such a fun, like, you know, (laughs) it's such a fun movie. It's
0: such a fun time whenever California (laughs) shears off and floats into the ocean. None
1: of of it's real, you know. So, like, (laughs) of course. You know, it's, it's, uh, and and it's not, I guess this is is what I like about it. It's not heavy handed. So, like, sometimes, I think in recent years, Roland Emmerich, he's the king of disaster movies. Day after tomorrow, Independence Day um, uh, 2012. 2012, I'm talking about specifically now. It, Is
0: there supposed to be another Independence Day happening? Yes. I want to there was a, like, that was news like a while back, right? I don't know,
1: I don't know who's, let me see who's directing that.
0: I mean, but I'm just saying another Independence Day. Boom.
1: Oh, uh, well, yes. Like, that would be fun. It would be be very fun. I agree with that. <laughs> We're stalling. We're not. <laughs> so he did the, the 98 Godzilla. He did the Patriot 10,000 BC. Uh, mm. And I'm talking about 2012 to be specific. It just felt like it was just like, man, this is just too much, man. Too many like, disaster movies. Too movements. many disasters. And it didn't feel like there was any hope. Yeah. Was, it was like, just like everything's well, going to fall apart. Yeah. Sorry. We've yeah. all got to get on these arcs and uh survive.
0: Yeah. And, like, and yes, because I think that. There were a lot of those. They're very, very popular for a really long time, and it was like every year we would have one. But then, yeah. like there was this time, like they stopped making them for a while, and uh, now it's back with San Andreas.
1: But it, he, but it's a diff- let me see who the director is. It's not Roland Emmerich anymore, um, which is uh, which is good. But although, like in the credits, I I, I tried to look it up afterwards. And I couldn't find it, but it said like one of the executive producers or something like that was like. Tony or Toby Emmerich, and I'm like, I wonder if it's, he's related. Mm. Like, you know, we keep the disasters mm. in the family. Yeah. Um, directed by Brad Peyton. Let's see, he's directed um, really nothing else of note. He's directed a uh, well, Journey to the Mysterious Island.
0: Well, uh, I mean, the good first job, I guess, or good first big blockbuster. Yeah, you know? like
1: I, I don't understand how uh, how. Directors get big summer blockbusters like this. He directed Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. I mean, how do you how do you go from that (laughs) like to uh, San Andreas, one of the like a a summer tentpole blockbuster? So here's the thing: both of the last two that
0: you said, uh, I. I think about them, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to like go back in time and, and see if I recognize the name even, but neither of those do I recognize. Maybe like, it's The
1: Rock, because he, uh, The Rock was in, it looks like, um, Journey to the Mysterious Island.
0: So, that's Journey Journey 2, as in the number two? Like, there was
1: a first one? There was Yeah, there was a Journey to the... There was a Journey 1? Is it Journey to the Center of the Earth?
0: Yeah, okay. So, there, yeah, you're right. Okay, there and was Journey to the Center of the Earth, and that had, uh, what's his name in it? Um, from The Mummy, I think? Um, and then, oh, is this a, is this a, is this a uh, sequel to that? It's probably not a direct sequel. Um, but it's probably a sequel to that.
1: Yes. Yes. It is a sequel to that. Um, with Brennan Fraser. Yeah. Um, this, uh, that stars the rock though. So now the rock is in San Andreas and I guess maybe he brought over the director. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he liked working with him enough and he's like, Hey, use this guy. Who knows, man. Um, but, uh, Paul Giamatti is in it who I love. And, uh, it's just, it's just a, it's a, it's a fun movie, but well, I, oh, the, you asked which one would I see? Yeah. Of those three. <sighs> Me, myself, I say like the best movie in those three is Mad Max. Like okay. by far one of the best movies of the year. Okay. Um, and I think it will stand up all year as one of the best movies of the year. Um, second in that list is San Andres, like, and it's close underneath in terms of how much I enjoyed it and funness. Um, and then, uh, Tomorrowland is third place. Yeah. I do. Avengers is, uh, is above above um, Tomorrowland.
0: So is Avengers, like, is this Avengers level? Like, I mean,
1: mm-hmm. that type of thing? In terms Maybe
0: not, like, in terms of, like, critical Yeah, see, like, if like, I was going to rate this thing,
1: you know, I'm going to give it, probably, I'm going to give it, like, a 7.5. Yeah. You know, like, the plot's kind of contrived at times, and then, like, the, you know, dialogue isn't, you know, nat- the most natural sounding at times. But in terms of how much I enjoyed it, Yes. I walked out enjoying this movie as much as I walked out enjoying the Avengers or Mad Max.
0: There you go. Well, that that I mean that answers the question mm. of like, hey, will people have fun with this movie? Or yeah. Like, should you see this movie? Yeah, mm. go see yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um. So thinking about basically, I, like, while the, you've been doing this, I've been trying to go back in time and revisit my week. Oh yeah. And it's basically just been a lot of like a lot of work and a lot of uh, a lot of Destiny House of
1: Wolves. All work, no play. Which oh is, wait, no, you're saying. All work and play.
0: Like, yeah, it's like uh, the times whenever I wasn't like, you know, doing something. I, I didn't go see a movie. Is like, you know, it was a lot of uh, a lot of work, a lot of running, and a lot of uh, Destiny House of Wolves. All right. So, I spent a lot of time with Destiny House of Wolves over the weekend, and uh, I have lots of thoughts on that. So,
1: all right, well, that's that's good because we're gonna talk about it later. But first, the news. The news! All right, John. So the, the news we have, like, so there's a. a there's a few things I want to talk about. Not a lot of things, like normal. Okay. A few things. Just a few. But I might, might want to go in depth with them. Okay. So,
0: Chris, first uh. of all, before we dive into the news, I wanted to say that E3 is coming up.
1: E3, that's one of the things I wanted to cover in the news, John. Oh, this is the first topic of the news. E3.
0: Yes. Um, and I wanted to say that... Okay. So, thinking about how excited I am for E3, I'm very, very excited, Chris. Uh-huh. I'm very excited. Yeah. And I remember my excitement last year, and it's like, I think I'm more excited this year than I was last year. Really? And, like, thinking about it, I like I don't know if, I don't know why, because, like, if you think about all the games and all of the, like, fun stuff that they, they talk about and, uh, and basically reveal at E3, and maybe uh, you play, like, a smaller, like, you play a very small percentage of them, like, over the year, because some of them don't come out, some of them are, like, for four years away, or whatever, but it's like, so there's like I don't know how much payoff there is to to some of the E three ness like some of the E but I, I I am super excited about it. So anyway, I just you know I I just want to throw that thought out there.
1: When is our uh, our. E3 preview episode. Oh, I think that is... Uh, I don't think it's... Is it
0: next week? It's, no, or no, is no, the no. week after? I think it's two weeks from now. Two weeks from now? Okay. Yeah, it looks like... Uh, yes. Uh, the 11th is whenever we were recording it, so it will go up on June 12th. Cool. Which is directly... The week directly before... E three, we've got a press conference literally happening on. Is that Sunday? Bethesda starts it off.
1: Yes. So on day zero, do you want to cover that right now?
0: Yeah, like let's talk about a little bit of uh. cool. What what press conferences to expect? Do we even know like what our schedule is? Like when we're going to release things
1: uh, around that time? Um, Yeah. So what I wanted to to do is run down like when all the press conferences are, um, and uh, so you so that everyone can watch them. Yeah. Let me pull that up right now. On my calendar. So I'm going to do this um, Pacific time and Eastern time. Okay. So you can figure it out somewhere in between there.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Which is neither of those time zones are we in.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> Bethesda starts it off on Sunday. Yep. June 14th at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. So if you're on the East Coast, get some popcorn, stay up late. Actually, I'm going to start with the Eastern time first because that makes more sense. Because we go from like the first We're, thing. Yeah, it's where yeah. the sun rises. First, yeah, yeah. So, so 10 p.m. Eastern Time to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Um, uh, Bethesda is going to have their press conference. This is the first year that they've had a standalone press conference. Um, the uh, the rumor is they could have some kind of Fallout 4 announcement. What? Yep. So. Uh, I mean, otherwise, why not? Why why do a press conference? So I don't know if that's rumored, like that hasn't leaked or
0: anything from within the company, but no, it's, no, it's like it's just speculated. It's
1: just rumored. It's time for one. Yeah, it's just everyone kind of feels like it it in their bones that it might be happening. Yeah, Microsoft is next on June fifteenth, Monday, June fifteenth. Um, they have a ninety minute press conference, twelve thirty p.m. Eastern time, nine thirty a.m. Pacific time. Okay. E three is uh, a little bit later, uh, in the afternoon. You mean EA? Not
0: E3. E3 is... Sorry, EA. Yes, EA. EA,
1: Their press conference. EA, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Ubisoft comes right after that, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Sony um, is that evening, 9 p.m., Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. And if, if there's any tickets left and you want to see um, Sony's press conference in all its glory, they're doing a another uh, event in movie theaters um, around the country where you can go. It's called the PlayStation Experience E3 2015. And you just search for that on the internet. I'll put a link on um in this article. Uh, you click on that, go get tickets. You'll be able to watch the entire press conference in the theater with other people. There's some kind of like exclusive gift. Last year it was a poster and a lanyard. Hopefully this year is something better. Hopefully, oh wait, no. Hopefully, actually, they... th- last year they they had uh, didn't they have download codes for the beta access to Hardline and true um, something else?
0: Yeah, I think there was the Destiny one too. Like I think yeah. that's where you got the Destiny. That uh, is where I got the Destiny Alpha.
1: Alpha, yeah. yeah. And it was, I was, was, yeah, it was Battlefield Hardline Alpha was what it was. Right, they were both right. alphas. So. We Hopefully play this stuff.
0: time, they hand you uh, PS4s whenever
1: you walk in. Yeah, I don't think that will <laughs> happen. No, not at all. But if you if they do, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, Nintendo comes... Uh, so Sony's the, the, the last conference on Monday. Right. S- Nintendo has a Nintendo Direct on Tuesday. It's uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Square Enix comes after that, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And then there's a show all about PC gaming... Um, later in the day, that evening, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time.
0: So like, uh, on the PC one, who's who's paying for the PC press conference? No
1: idea. I mean... No idea. I mean, I was just curious because
0: it's like you, on Sony's, you have Sony paying for it. The people who make PlayStation on uh, on Microsoft, you have Microsoft paying for it. Who makes the Xbox? But at, at the PC one, like vi- like tons of companies make PCs and tons of companies make components for PCs, uh, graphics cards and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I was just curious if you knew who it who looks was, like who is funding that one.
1: Yeah, like I'm looking at it. Right or is it like now. a magazine, like PC Gamer or something like that? Yeah, it looks like it's uh, just it's just. Uh, AMD and PC Gamer are putting on the first ever PC conference cool. at E3. Cool. Um, so it's yeah, AMD and PC Gamer. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, that is really cool. If you're really into PC games, hopefully like Steam is there in some way or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like they don't. They're just a platform, honestly. Like right. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, what will be interesting is if there are any, like, big game reveals or something like that at that conference.
0: I feel like, I mean, there's a lot of things that hit PC first, like a lot of indie games and a lot of, like, a lot of those types of games. Yeah. Um, And so they could potentially get some cool stuff that we may end up seeing on consoles later on, maybe. I don't know, you know?
1: Yeah, that's true. So, um... We haven't talked about what we'll do podcast-wise, but I would assume we will have first day impressions from uh, the the first uh, few press conferences there on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go to the uh, the Sony press conference there in uh, in the movie theater, local movie theater. Yep. And so we'll uh, we'll post all of our first day impressions after that. We'll watch all of the conferences ourselves. Um, super excited about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think we'll probably be uh, tweeting a little bit those days too. So follow us on Twitter at uh, John Wright seven 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 and. Oh, Chris, Wright Two five zero. I'm sorry. I was, I was, again leading you in, but uh, the I'm not, I'm not doing well at being led today. I guess, like whenever I, whenever I open things up, you don't just finish them. You
1: yeah. know, the hype train. We will, we will be part of the hype train.
0: Yes, well, we will definitely be part of the hype
1: train. Yeah. So there's something, some news that released today that I wanted to talk about and mm-hmm. um, delve into. Uh, I'll read the original story first. So uh, this comes from IGN. Uh, PlayStation Vita has officially been labeled a legacy platform by Sony Computer Entertainment President Andrew House as the handheld device continues to struggle outside the Asian gaming market. During Sony's annual Investor Relations Day conference, House explained that while Vita remains, quote, strong and vibrant among those in Asia, sales continue to decline in the West. As such, the PlayStation exec has regulated, uh, relegated both the handheld and its struggling PlayStation TV counterpart to, quote, legacy status in both North America and Europe. Sad face. Yeah, uh, this is interesting as well. Oh, well, I'll, I'll talk about the rest of it in a second. So then, there's an update. Sony has released a clarifying statement, explaining that House's comments on Vita being a legacy platform were in fact directed solely at older models of the hardware. What uh, the quote was, what Andy mentioned as legacy platform, was part of. The write-off for PS Vita components for the first generation of PS Vita, which is no longer available in the market.
0: Yeah, so they are talking about the uh, like, okay. So here's a couple. I have a few questions. Hang about on, this. let me finish this.
1: Oh, okay. And he, and he did not directly mean the current PS Vita and PS TV models, which are available in the market. Our portable business will be continued, and many users are now enjoying PlayStation 4 Remote Play features as well as original PS Vita game titles on PS Vita and PS TV. A Sony rep told GamesBeat.
0: So, I have a few questions. Yes. And we may not have answers to these, yes. but I have a
1: few questions about
0: this. Mm-hmm. So, they're basically, they're clarifying statement. I mean, the first statement, it's pretty, pretty, like, evident what was going on, like, what they mean. Yeah. There's been a lot of things that, uh, even game-wise, that release in Japan um, that don't necessarily make their way over to the U.S. market. Like, uh, they don't make uh, tran- translation. They don't do, you know, they just basically release over there, and they don't really come over here. Um, and it's obviously selling better over there, and not as selling as well over here. And so, obviously, the first statement is sounds like he's saying basically anywhere other than like the Asian region, um, the the Vita is is done. Like it's basically you know it's it's a legacy system, and it's it's kind of over. You know, yeah. Um, and we're not really going to support it anymore. Um, but then the second statement was talking about like older models of the Vita. And I'm wondering is do they are they referring to like the OLED model like the OLED screen and like the very first model that That's came not out That's how they're trying
1: to frame it. This is my thing. Like I'm very skeptical of, of the clarifying statement. You know, basically like Sony Sony's been been kind of talking out both sides of its mouth about the Vita for a long time. Uh mm-hmm. even going back, let's go back to last E3. Um right before E3, there were rumors that, you know, the Vita is not going to be supported and all this kind of stuff or like, you know, no more no more first party AAA games for Vita. And then um Sony was like hey no like we're still supporting um Vita we have this this and this and then we're supporting
0: had, it through the uh what was it the uh the gaming the cloud service basically where you play games yeah, on, the pl- cloud. on
1: PlayStation now and yeah. some other things and but then e3 hit and there was like no Vita games yeah like there was a couple of Vita games on the floor but not in their press conference it's just yeah. kind of like okay well these are things that are happening back here and then you know we don't talk about Vita from from the press conference and right and and then they than the,
0: some remote play stuff. Maybe I think they might have mentioned some remote play stuff on the stage. But I don't I
1: mean who cares? I mean who gives a crap about remote play for your Vita? I mean right. honestly like I mean it's a cool feature. Yeah. yeah it's not worth buying the system for. It's right. not a system seller and it's not something you need to like I mean honestly need to tout that much. Like I think they were right. they were trying to legitimize the existence of it by saying well you can play PlayStation 4 games with your <laughs> Vita if, if, through remote play. But it's like who cares? Like that's well, not I mean, really what you want to uh, use your Vita 4.
0: Right and that's not really even how you want to experience your Playstation 4. No. Um, you don't want to play your Playstation 4 through a, a, a lag kind of you know, scenario where you're basically streaming something off of that device onto this other device and you know controlling it there. So I mean unless you're doing something very kind of mindless or whatever um, I, I really don't think that there's you know, a legitimate reason to use
1: your Vita remote play.
0: I mean, exactly I mean,
1: exactly. There's unless you have a super robust Wi-Fi system um, set up, and uh, you're you know doing it from your house. There's no there's like it, you, there's a limited amount of games that you can play right. where you know like the lag doesn't uh, doesn't make it virtually unplayable. You right. Know? Um, I'm not going to stream Destiny to my Vita from across the country. Right. Um, so, yeah. But. So that being said, they've been kind of talking on both sides of their mouths, saying one thing, Vita Matters, and then doing things. They're saying Vita Matters, and then they're doing things that prove that it doesn't matter to them. Right. Um, and then it's like, I feel like this is kind of the same thing, where internally, it sounds like they've labeled it as a legacy system, and Andrew House just happened to say it. Everyone kind of like went, What? what's up with this and then they have to like backtrack and say sorry wait no that's not what we meant it's not a legacy system it's this other it's this, thing. but let's look at the yeah. let's look at the facts a AAA game hasn't come out on PlayStation Vita in pff, probably oh. since uh middle of last year whenever we had freedom wars come freedom out. wars yeah that was the last one that i can think of and that was uh in the middle of the summer or in right. the end of the summer right so like you know, it's it's not being supported. It, it they still release indie games on it. You know, Shovel yeah. Knight just came on it, and yeah. I've been playing that. I love it a lot. You know, and I think that's kind of like where it shines right now. Right. Where these smaller developers release things on it. But well, then like you know, and the- you have like
0: cross crossplay between like or cross save, rather on on yeah. those types of games between like your your PlayStation Four cross and save, your Vita. Cross save cross buy. So it's like if you're really invested in the uh, the PlayStation uh, ecosystem, like that's a really cool thing to be able to do, but. You're right, it's like, yeah, you just, there hasn't been any big AAA games, you haven't really had uh, much support for it, and uh, we had this, we basically had, uh, I guess, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where there was a patent that they uh, changed or updated in uh, Japan uh, about a new Vita, and it had, like, these other, like, you know, this these other ports and the, like the, a, a change of some of the internals and uh, stuff like that. And then whenever people have asked about that and said, Hey, is that, is that coming to, you know, the rest of the world? And they're like, no, actually we don't have any plans to bring that out right, right now. And so it's like, I feel like with that type of a statement saying, Hey, we might update this thing, but we might update it only for this region. That kind of does back up what, uh, what his statements were, you know, about, yeah. Hey, in other regions, we're not going to worry about it.
1: Right. And you know, that's it, just kind of a sad thing. You know, we'll see. I think we will we will see what their plans are for the Vita moving forward mm-hmm. at E three. If they don't say anything about it, then Vita's in trouble yeah. in terms of support from Sony. And honestly, like I don't think Sony will ever, uh, unless they're just losing tons of money on it, will ever get out of the portable game. But I think at you know if if we get to E three, they don't say anything about you know, uh, the platform, then, um, moving forward, they're probably beginning work and R and D on whatever their next handheld would be. And we will probably see that in a couple of years, something like that. But um, I don't know.
0: I mean, like the handheld market has been changing uh, and Nintendo even has, has who are the Kings of, uh, of the mobile, uh, gaming market. Um, I don't know. It's like things are changing. And so like you, you wonder about some of the viability of like a dedicated gaming handheld. And like with Nintendo, like I think there always will be uh, a market for it because I would, I love them and will always want a dedicated gaming handheld. But it's like, you know, with mobile games and with even Nintendo going into some of the mobile game market, um, this year, they're supposed to release some of their, uh, some games to the mobile market this year. um, I don't know like whatever we don't know what's next for Nintendo either and so like I don't know what the future of uh, of handheld gaming looks like for uh, Nintendo let alone for Sony really. Like I I don't, mean, I don't I'm not sure that in my mind I don't I don't know that a, another Sony handheld is like a sure thing.
1: I mean I don't agree with that at all. And ter- I think you know of all of them Sony is the one who's probably going to put one out and you know you look at the success of the of the 3DS like if you do it right you can succeed is the is the the moral of that story. Um, the the thing is, Sony never did right by the PlayStation Vita. Right, they never supported it well. They never marketed it well. Mm. They never gave anybody a, a big reason to buy this thing. We had a few good first party games, but then they kind of left it up to these indies to sell it. And it's like that's I'm sorry, like there's still this public perception that indies are somehow lesser quality games, whether they are or not. Yeah. That's the perception of them. So you have to you have to put some financial backing behind it. Like I mean, I can I can think you and know they, some
0: like and some good time like on the front of your like on the front of your marketing train. It's like I mean I feel like it's always been on the back burner. You yeah, know? It's,
1: it's always been on the back burner. It's never been the primary, um, which I don't think it should be the primary thing. But you look at the way that Nintendo treats the 3ds, and yeah. you have like Super Smash Brothers coming out on 3ds. Yeah, you know at the same time it's coming out on Wii U before actually before yeah. And it's so it's like before. you know the, it's giving it, they. Give Give it a prominent place in their lineup, right? And whereas the Vita was never there, yeah. And even in terms of like the games that they released for it, um, you know, Uncharted was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a failure, and things like Call of Duty didn't succeed, but that was because it was a crappy game, not because it was a bad idea, right? And then you know you have things like Assassin's Creed, which was great, but like that, you know, you can name almost on two two hands the number of um, uh, AAA games that came to. Um, PlayStation Vita.
0: yeah. what's interesting about like comparing the Vita to like the PSP, um, like the PSP, a lot of what happened with the PSP was largely based on the fact that, like, you could, as, like it was an easily hackable uh thing like i mean there's a lot of people that had hacked to their uh PSPs to be able to play like emulators of other games and stuff and so like i mean that is also a, a player whenever it came to the PSP and that sold really well and in fact they st- only stopped making PSPs uh i th- want to say like earlier this year or last year um and so like thinking about that device thinking about like whenever they they never really said necessarily that the PSP was was done or was a legacy thing and in fact they kept making them even into the ps uh or yeah the playstation vita uh is that's life and so like you wonder is the ps vita gonna follow that same trajectory where it's like they really just don't say anything about it and it's like yeah. it just kind of becomes a legacy thing but they're not like telling you they're and then they, maybe they don't stop making them for a while uh in in japan like in the, in the asian market so yeah
1: yeah, I mean that's that's basically what it, what I think it's it's boiling down to. Again, we'll see at E three whether or not they they decided to support it some more. But yeah, uh, also during that earning call, uh, this is another article from IGN. Um, Andrew House addressed head on the lack of first party support um, coming to ga- to PS four in two thousand fifteen. "Quote: Our first party lineup is a little sparse this year, so I think this places even greater emphasis on getting good third party support." Um, Recently, Sony has announced that Uncharted 4: A Thief's End was delayed until the first half of 2016. Another popular franchise, Ratchet and Clank, was also pushed 2016 time to release with the upcoming movie. Um, so, I don't know. I, you know it'll be. I, I'm interested still to see what Sony does at E3 mm-hmm. and to correct this. And then I can kind of see some moves that they've been making along the way. They haven't had. You know, amazing first-party support of the system since it launched.
0: Yeah, since PS4 and, went up.
1: and uh, but you can see the way that they kind of court these third-party developers in terms of like look at the the Destiny D- DLC. Yeah, like exclusive DLC coming to PlayStation Four. Um, Arkham Knight, which is coming out in a month, has. Exclusive missions and maps and costumes coming to the PlayStation Four version, yeah. and so they're they're making they're putting deals in place with all these third party developers for these third party games, um, in place of in lieu of releasing first party games.
0: Right, and uh, and I think like I mean because of the sales of the PS Four, like that that's working obviously um, right now anyway, and uh, and you wonder like does because it's selling so well is there, is there much pressure? It's like uh, on their side of things where they're thinking, Oh, well we've sold it, you know, way so much better than the other consoles or than any of our other consoles have before, even than the Xbox one. Um, you wonder if maybe there's a uh, there's an overconfidence or something like that where they have this install base already, and so it's like, hey, let's you know put off these games until they're completely your guys are completely comfortable putting them out, and then you know maybe court these. Other. It's just you wonder like what's going on behind the scenes with that. Yeah, I mean. Because they hold all the cards, I guess. Right now is what I'm saying.
1: It's interesting, kind of. I mean, you know, but they still have to put out, you know, support for their console, like or else else they're going to uh, start losing market share. But it's interesting to see both of their approaches. Sony has a lot of first party studios working on stuff, Um, some of it we don't know about, but they have a lot of first party studios. Whereas Mm -hmm. the the the, um, approach that Microsoft has taken, you know, they've gotten games like Sunset Overdrive from Insomniac Games, Mm -hmm. not. Owned by Microsoft. They have Tomb Raider coming out this fall from Square Enix, not Microsoft. They had Titanfall. Not, they had Titanfall, which was respawn entertainment, not owned by Microsoft. You know, so they have a lot of they're making deals for exclusivity on their own platform without Taking on um, these huge development studios, Sony does a lot of the, most of their first party stuff in house. Yeah, and they have a lot of development studios all over the world. So that's the uh, that's the big difference between the approaches. I think that's why my uh, Microsoft can shell out um, and spit out these first party games is because they kind of look and see, okay, these people are on track to do this, so let's let's attach ourselves to this game, right? Um, Whereas Sony's like, well, we're we're trying to get this out by a certain time, but it's not going to be a good game if we don't. So they hold off, and I think that's a good trade off. But um, it does hurt them whenever it's like, well, what's your big holiday release this fall? Yeah, well, I anything.
0: I mean, you you have. Sony, not only with their internal studios, but you also have them, like, attaching to, like, Destiny last year. This year, the big one that I can think of that they've attached themselves to that's going to be on both consoles um, is Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront. Like, after every single Battlefront trailer, teaser, whatever, it's PlayStation 4. And so, like, you have them in this marketing push for Battlefront, which, while it's going to be everywhere, it's going to be on both consoles. Yeah. Sony is going to be the console that most people will associate it with, just based on the marketing. Yeah, um, and so I think that that strategy—I mean, that—that's part of their strategy for this this upcoming uh, fall season.
1: So I don't know. It's it's it is it's really interesting looking at both of their their approaches because you know Sony is like. You know it's appealing, you yeah. know, to get you know things like all the Destiny DLC first or For whatever sure. they end up doing with Battlefront. But then it's also appealing to have um, exclusive games, you know, like Sunset Overdrive and Rise of the Tomb Raider on uh, on Xbox. And so yeah, you know, I, it's two different two different approaches. It's really interesting to play things on both of them and to watch both of them kind of as they proceed. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to run down the PlayStation Plus and games with golds. Sweet. Not gold. The games <laughs> with gold. <laughs> the games with gold games for this month. Um, so, on PlayStation Plus, on PS4, you can get Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. Cool. Skulls of the Shogun Bonafide Edition. Nice. Super Exploding Zoo. And. <laughs> that sounds really funny. Fut- Futuridium EP Deluxe. On PS Vita, you can get. Skulls of the. Wait, wait. You can get Super Exploding Zoo and Future AP Deluxe. For PS3, you can get Call of War as Gunslinger, which is an amazing Dude, game. That's a great game. Yeah, yeah, if you have a PlayStation, play that. Cloudberry Kingdom is also on PlayStation 3. Nice. For the nice. Xbox One, Massive Chalice. It's a new game coming out from Double Fine. Nice. I love Double Fine. Double they make Fine some great games. Makes good games. Um, it's going to be free. Also, still available this month, Pool Nation FX. If what? you're. Really into a twelve gigabyte pool game
0: that's been available for like the last six months. I feel like no,
1: that is, it's, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like, seem like a long time, but only the past. It'll be this will be the second month on Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Just cause two. Is uh, going to be free. Right. Um, just Cause 3 is going to possibly, or not possibly, is supposed to release this year. Yeah. And so I think they're priming priming the pump for that.
0: Kind of like they did with The Witcher earlier this year. Yes, they um, did do that. They did do The Witcher 2 on your Xbox 360, which I actually downloaded. It's a gigantic game. Uh-huh. Um, haven't played it yet, but it's a gigantic game. And then uh, Witcher 3
1: uh, just came out. So, yeah. And then on Xbox 360, also Thief is going to be free. Cool. Which... Man, I've been wanting to play Thief for a while. Yeah. I played the demo on Xbox One, but I think I'm just going to download it on 360 and play it there. Go for it. I mean, it's free. Yeah. So it's, you well, know... Why not? Saves you some money. Yeah, it does. Although, it, it does kind of make me wonder why they don't just... It's an Xbox One game. It's also an on Xbox One. Why would they not go ahead and make it free on Xbox One as well?
0: I don't know. I mean, and also, like, the uh, they keep giving really good games, and because there's more games to pull from, but they keep giving really good games for your, like, 360. Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I feel like that's very non-forward looking, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, oh, go fire up your old, uh, your old 360 rather than buying this, the new piece of hardware that we're, we're pitching at you. Well, I guess you know? that's my
1: point. I and mean, if you're giving away the game, then Just, why not give it away on the, the main, your primary yeah. platform? Yeah.
0: Give people a reason to, to buy the new platform versus, you know, fire up their old platform. Yeah. I don't know.
1: You know? We also had some movie news this week. So first, there was all these videos of Batman on the back of Joker's car And with Harley Quinn inside, flying through. uh, I guess supposed to be Gotham City for the Suicide Squad movie that's being filmed. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know if it's Gotham. Uh, Yeah, actually, it is supposed to be Gotham City because it's in Vancouver. It's gotta be. Yeah. Um, So that was pretty cool.
0: So like, this is the weird. Like, so now Batman is in the uh, the Suicide Squad movie. Yep. Which At is, least for one scene, which, is, which is sweet, which is amazing, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so there were all these rumors of the plot that I don't know if we talked about. a few... I think we did. Yeah. So like, there's these did. rumors that like the, the Suicide Squad's going after Joker because right. he's he has this relationship or knows about the Batman, right? And uh, and so, which I mean, if, if though if Batman's flying around in the back of a car through the streets of Gotham City, how does everyone not know about him?
0: I know, right? I don't know. It, it's yeah. It just it's very strange.
1: Um, the last bit of information slash news, okay slash rumor slash rumor. No, this is not rumor. Uh, so Andy Serkis's character for Star Wars: The Force Awakens has been revealed. Um, he's been doing performance capture. Uh, this is this is uh, uh, he was. Bit, I guess this is an interview with the photographer who took the pictures of the Vanity Fair article. Okay. Um, this month's Vanity Fair has a Star Wars article in it. You should go check it out. Um, it's pretty We talked cool. about
0: that a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, it just
1: came out though. And I, I, grabbed it over the weekend. Um, and the, the articles, some of the articles are up online, but not all of them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, she's, uh, the photographer said Andy Serkis is playing a character named Supreme Leader Snoke. Interesting nothing so, else is known.
0: So like they called uh Popatain the supreme chancellor,
1: Popatane. Mm-hmm. And then was it supreme emperor? Uh or I don't know. Emperor?
0: But whenever he was during the Clone Wars it was the supreme chancellor. Um and so you wonder is this is this hinting that he's the
1: uh I mean, usually whenever you call someone a supreme leader, that usually uh bodes ill for your cause. I mean, for sure. <laughs> You're usually a pretty evil organization.
0: I mean, and and his voice in that first uh, first teaser was obviously not uh, a good guy necessarily. Right. It was pretty ominous,
1: right? Whenever
0: he said the dark side,
1: but and it also means that he uh, he is at least kind of in tune to the force because he he knows there's a disturbance. Yeah, he's an he awakening. he can sense
0: it. He can sense everything. There, yeah. So yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're talking that he's probably the the big bad Sith Lord. Man. That'd be wild. It's nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm dude, I can't, I'm so excited for this movie. Um, I actually follow an account on Twitter that is days until uh days until episode uh seven. What so, they, yeah. they just
1: tweet out. Yeah, they just tweet out day. like
0: every day. <laughs> yeah, d- days it until Star really Wars. Tedious. Yeah, and it's uh uh let me see hundred and four days.
1: What would be amazing is if they they tweeted out um every minute. Oh, man. A tweet that said how many... Like, just peppered throughout your feed every single day was how many days and minutes until... Star Wars Episode Seven.
0: That would be wild. Like every minute, uh-huh. it'd get very, very tedious in your feed, though. Like where it's like every minute there's a new tweet from this. You know, I mean, but like a,
1: but it would keep your mind focused on
0: it. I don't think I would follow that account though. No. Okay. <laughs> there's a there's a what line it, I guess between like having a really like up to date current info and being annoying. But
1: what if it was every hour?
0: Oh, uh, every hour is probably better. Because you'd only have twenty four every day, and it's like I know I follow people who tweet far more than twenty four times per day. Sometimes, what so. if it was
1: a new picture every hour of Star Wars,
0: of like a different I don't know, just like anything Star, Wars are, Star Wars that uh, Star Wars. I mean, just work your way through every frame of every movie, sure. and you're yeah. fine. You know, dude, that's a great idea. I know, right? Hmm. I, some of those though, it's like, oh, this is just desert, or this is a blurry shot of a pod racer. You know, I want to figure out how. Hmm, I'm gonna
1: hang on. How many frames there are? Yeah, so I know that um, a
0: well, new hope yeah. is
1: exactly 120 minutes long. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so here's what you have to do: 120 minutes times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 60, right?
0: Yep. Or, Six, or not 60? No, 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 sorry. On. Yeah, It'd be sec- 24 be seconds. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. seconds? Yeah, no, no. yeah, you're right.
1: For yeah. seconds. Yep. 120 times 60. Yep, you're right. Sorry, math. Hashtag math. <laughs> 60 times 24. Okay. Be 172. Thousand eight hundred frames okay okay so if we did a new frame every hour mm-hmm. so that so i have to divide that by 24 it'd be 7,000 days so that's too long that's
0: too long what if you did one of those like okay so you took a minute like within this uh, or a minute rather w- within this second of uh of footage i'm going to pick one frame out of it so it's like how many seconds are in the movie
1: uh, how many? Let, how let, many? Is, how, like, so, what was the the step before this? Yeah, one? Let me do this: 120 times 60. Times Does that include the credits 24. too? Okay, so how many? We, we want to do seconds?
0: Yeah, so it would be that's still far too many days. No,
1: we want to do minutes. Yeah. Okay, so that's how many frames are. Um, okay. Let me think. How many? How many seconds? How do I need to do this? I don't know. Frames. Like, if, okay. you, if you took one frame from
0: every minute of the movie, you
1: could do so it that way, by but... 60. So if we did one every minute, wait, yeah. wait, no, every sixty minutes, yes. Yeah. So it'd be two thousand eight hundred eighty hours if we mm. do it every minute. That's doable. Mm, that so is doable. hours. So let's divide that by twenty-four. It'd be one hundred twenty days. So if if we line up one hundred twenty days yeah, so before the up, movie, yeah. So
0: start up one hundred twenty days and like get the like you have you have since there's two hundred four days right now. We got to start this very soon.
1: Yeah. So uh, hmm, this this sounds like a, a really cool project. That
0: does sound like a really fun project. Mm-hmm.
1: Every minute. Yeah. Until, or, yeah, every minute until every minute, yeah. The Force Awakens releases. You get one friend. So it's
0: like you could technically, like, if, it, if you just look at the feed in Twitter, you could scroll really fast and watch the entire movie. Of oh, A New Hope. Like a flip book of A yeah. New Hope. That would be wild. That'd be really wild.
1: I'm going to have to think about this for a while, John. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, so moving on. <laughs> Is that the last piece of news?
1: No, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, so that's, that's the, the news. news.
0: All right, Chris. Now we're going to talk about the House of Wolves. Yeah, dude. I wish I could talk like the the one character in uh, in in this game in or, uh, Prison of Elders. Yeah, it's that servitor it uh, guy, uh, Varkus or whatever. Uh, Varix, that's Varics, what his name. Is. Yes, Varix. Yeah, I wish I could talk like him with. Uh, He's got all these weird noises.
1: Yeah. So, just some context for this. This is the uh, the second DLC for expansion for Destiny. Yeah. Um, if you uh, are into Destiny, you know that uh, the first expansion, uh, the Dark was, Below, it was kind of received with mixed reviews. Um, it uh, had an extra raid, but the story content was kind of weak, and um, there wasn't a whole like it kind of it changed the way exotics worked in a bad way yeah um the way you upgraded your gear but this corrects a lot of those problems and um provides a pretty uh pretty fun experience playing through the campaign
0: and a pretty diverse like gameplay experience overall i mean like the whole package includes a lot of like you've got multiplayer maps you've got uh the new kind of horde mode type thing with a prison of elders um where you face off against different rooms uh of enemies and it's kind of like wave based and there's mini bosses in there that'll pop up um I mean, and then you got the story, which which the story. I would say, if if I were to point it like a highlight, is the story. Like the the, the gameplay of the main story missions
1: is really really fun. So yeah, um, yeah, I would say like you know. So let's let's kind of run down the features. So you've got a kind of campaign storyline again. Yeah, um, that involves I think about five. St- uh, five actual story missions and then a strike.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, some specific things to do like on a, uh, on some on patrol patrols. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of time, like how long did it take you to work through all of that? I mean, it was, it was a decent chunk
1: for me. Yeah. It was, uh, in terms of hours. Yeah maybe six hours or five hours, something like that. Yeah. And it's like, you could really rush through it. Cause like I've done it on all three of my characters
0: at this point, I've gone through the entire story on all three of my characters. But, and so like on the last one, I was just kind of like, ah, oh, here we go, you know, but it's whenever you're first experiencing it and you're kind of working out, puzzling out how to work this stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, it really, it really does take a decent chunk of time. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, so they, uh, they introduced that. They also introduced something called the Prison of Elders, which is kind of a wave-based horde mode kind of a, uh, a thing. Yeah. Um, it takes place in like four different rooms with different enemies, and then there's like a boss enemy at the end.
0: Yeah, they, they have different modifiers uh, on in each room that you kind of go into, um, and those can be any one of eight things, and those things are like... Oh, your primary weapon does more damage in this room, yeah, and so obviously you're swapping to your primary and you're making sure you're using that. Uh, other things can be like uh, whenever they like hit you, melee you they that hurts worse and that's a that's a negative thing but there's also a positive spin to that uh sometimes where another modifier can pop up and say your melee does them extra damage right and that sort of thing so it's like there's a lot of cool stuff um with the modifiers and a lot of like variant uh stuff that can happen based on those like what enemy you're against as well as what the modifier is right
1: yeah, um, and Prison of Elders is really, like, they they touted that, like, that's a replacement for the raid, basically. Actually, Prison of Elders slash Trials of Osiris, like, right. that's kind of like, okay, in, instead of spending all your time on doing um, a raid right. every single week, here's Trials of Osiris and, and Prison of Elders, and um, Prison of Elders, in terms of like you know working with your team, I think is really really fun. Uh, the the gameplay is very very varied um, yeah. depending on the, the types of enemies you're facing and what the objectives are. There's are different objectives you have to do in each map, right? And uh, it's really really fun. Trials of Osiris is PVP, yeah, and incredibly hard. Yeah, like the skill level in there is just insane. So we've had like a hard type PVP before with the uh, with.
0: The Iron, Iron Banner, Banner, like whenever that would come around, it comes around every like three weeks, four weeks, something like that. And and for a week out of uh, out of a month, basically you can climb the Iron Banner rank and get some special gear. And, and basically it's a harder version of regular Crucible. But this feels like Iron Banner um, and then some like yeah. it, it's it, it's the hardcore mode like if you go to uh go on like Call of Duty or something and you play rather than the normal playlists you play like the hardcore playlist yeah. uh where it's like one hit kills and things like that i mean this isn't one hit kills but it very much feels like that equivalent um yeah. where your armor doesn't matter as much and your skills matter a lot and what your teammates and communicating with your teammates uh what they're doing and what your strategy is um very much it matters. And what's interesting is like the, that is also really varied. Like de- depending on the team that I have faced, like I, I faced off a lot, uh, on that and depending on what team you face, um, they might play very, very, very differently. Some of them will all stay together and they'll kind of just roll around the map. Other ones will separate and just basically crush you from all sides, yeah. uh, you know, and that type of thing sometimes it fails. Sometimes you take out the weak link and then you just kind of sweep around and, and take them out. Um, I don't know, it's like, it, so the variance of play style there, there is a lot of uh, of different encounters that you can have, different types of encounters that you can have with other players, but all of those encounters are incredibly difficult. Yeah. And if you win, you win by the skin of your teeth, you know, right. or it's it's just, you really got grinded it out and maybe got lucky.
1: The thing is, it was never, you know, unfun, Right. Or, uh, but... It's, it's definitely worth going in with a crew that you kind of develop a uh, um, a strategy with you know their play styles yeah. you can communicate well
0: well and every time like whenever I would go in it, we would get better I guess yeah uh, at from match to match and so the more time you spend in there the more like the more like as a team you uh, you get that you understand, oh, well, this person's going to go there. I'm going to go over here, you know, and you, you determine more of the angles and, and how you work together with people. But you're right. It's like you really need to go in knowing kind of what's
1: up. Well, it's cool. Like, I actually, I didn't know how much I would like this, but I ended up liking the fact that the map is the same every time because mm. you can you can learn the ins and outs of the map. That's you true. can um, develop strategies based on, you know, like where the enemy is going. And you really, like, honestly, I felt like I, I learned the map better than I learned, um, you know, how to play Trials of Osiris. You know, like, okay, okay, there's sight lines here that I didn't necessarily know were here. This is where people are going. Like, it's going to make me play regular Crucible a lot different now, I think, on that map specifically. Yeah. And as we move through and rotate through more maps, Mm -hmm. I think it will keep doing that.
0: For sure. And what's interesting about Trials of Osiris is that um, the the punch card system and and, and kind of how that works where you have three losses and then you're you're done yeah um and you can get up to nine wins and then you trade in your punch card for certain rewards and stuff and so like the way that works like once you get those three losses on your card you can kind of regroup and re strategize and you head back to the tower maybe grab a different weapon grab a different type of character I mean there's a lot of things that you can uh, swap up and that does force you to break the action because I know that a lot of times on regular crucible or other you know PVP games you end up getting into a cycle of losses. Like you basically just continuously are doing the same things over and over, making the same mistakes over and over, and you're just in this loss cycle. Yeah. Um. And maybe not even noticing. But in trials, they force you to notice. And in trials, they uh, they give you every opportunity to to you know say you know say you want to split off and, and join a different crew, or say you know it's like hey uh, one of you know one of your three person crew has to get offline. You know that does shake it up a little bit. So. So you can always try to try to swap things out every three uh, match losses. Yeah. So, um, and the matches are short enough to where it doesn't really feel like a grind.
1: So the rewards for each, both the Prison of Elders and Trials of Osiris, are, are good enough that may, they make me want to go for them. So like right. the the rewards for Prison of Elders, you get Etheric Light, which you can upgrade any of your uh, legendary gear um, to the max level with them.
0: And that's like a random drop. Like as far as I know, like you can get it in the Nightfall as a random drop. <laughs> You can get it. Oh shoot. <laughs> so Chris. You just knocked like everything off of my shelf. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Nothing broke. Nothing no. broke. We're good. <laughs>
1: What were we talking about? Uh, I was
0: talking about Etheric Light and how it's kind of random.
1: <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, is it random? Because I thought it was like a given if you play level 34 or whatever.
0: No, I don't. Well, yeah, actually, wait. It might be. You're right. Like uh, it's shown in one of the Light, rewards. Yeah, it, you're right. Etheric Light on uh, Prison of Elders uh, yeah. is... If you do a level 34... And you get it again at 35. Uh, so if you do the 35, which I can't imagine right now. Right. Um, if you do the level 35 Prison of Elders uh, horde mode, then you can get Aetheric uh, Light too, And that's... Yeah, that's a direct way that you can upgrade all of your past
1: gear, which is really yeah. cool. They also have, you know, the uh, the keys that you can earn. Um, and you can open up uh, the end chest at the end of Prison of Elders for rewards. For exotics and stuff. Yeah. Um, Those are
0: a little bit more random.
1: Right. That's random for sure. Uh, but one of our first friend got a Galahorn from from that um, chest. That's pretty awesome. This past week, so you know, like it's, there's some chance for there's a Galahorn. There's some stuff you know. in there. Um, the uh, the rewards for Trials of Osiris work like this. There are um, if you get nine wins. Oh, sorry. I think if if you get to the like last tier level for the mm-hmm. last drop, you get these uh, legendary weapons. If you get to nine wins, zero losses. Um, yes you have a chance to get those same weapons, but with damage modifiers on them. Hmm. And so the... uh, Yeah, and you get
0: to go to a different social area too, correct? Called called
1: the lighthouse. Yeah,
0: I want to make it to the lighthouse.
1: I got to get to the lighthouse, man. And I I want those weapons with damage modifiers. We're going to need to get a lot better at, uh, at PvP. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least trials.
0: Yeah, Trials of Osiris for sure.
1: Yeah, like, and I honestly, like, I'm okay. Like, I it just makes me want to just sit there and grind it out all weekend. Yeah, well, you
0: can get different buffs too. Like, what's fun about the uh, the the trials is that you can get different buffs uh, purchased by, uh, I guess, trials coins. I think is what they're called. Um, and. Like, it can forgive a loss. It can uh, add a win. So, like, you can start with one win. Um, that type of thing. And so, like, there's there's three different types of buffs that you can get with that. And Which, How do you earn those? Okay, so you get the coins. Here's something I didn't know until uh, later this week. Mm. You get the coins uh, by doing both randomly in crucible like as random drops in crucible mm-hmm. or by doing the daily crucible playlist like so there's a crucible uh-huh. playlist uh that they say oh this is the one that's daily and if you do one match in that after your first match you get one trials coin i see um so if you do it on all you know all through the week you can get like one per character so you get 3 a day and so then that times 7 days so you get 21 every week um guaranteed but then you can get them randomly within uh those playlists too so I yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really a kind of a cool thing that the Crucible daily playlist has never really mattered, and has there's really never been a reason for me to go do it. Um, now there is, so that's kind of interesting, and I, I like that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, like, like the treasure keys are the one thing that I wish there was a direct path to. Like, even if it was a really, really hard way, like even if on the, like you had to complete the level 35 prison of elders, like you had to beat the boss on level 35, um, which you're definitely playing above your level at that point. Cause you, you the level cap for uh, players is 34. So you're already at a major disadvantage and it's a really, really hard achievement to make, to, to make it through the level 35 prison of elders. But if you had to do that even within a certain time limit and get a key or like something mm-hmm. like just make it really hard to get a key but
1: I wish there was a direct path to a key and it didn't feel so random. I agree and you know there is kind of a you know quote unquote direct path. You know like you will get one if you farm those public events constantly yeah um but that means you know like you're doing this for hours on end and just wait for a drop
0: right and like the way i've heard it is like uh somebody and i just don't have time to do that that's the other thing is like but somebody was had said i did it for three hours the other day and got three keys yeah and so it's like okay you figure one per hour or you know maybe that's just i mean it's just a random chance so maybe you would never get it you know um but it's yeah i mean it's I don't know. That just seems like a
1: weird way to get it. Again, I, it's not really a guaranteed way. So Yeah. 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 I mean, I uh, I definitely, you know, I agree with that, that it would be nice to, like, yeah, like you said, like, maybe you have to do some, like, ultra version of the strike or something yeah. like that. Or it'd be cool if it was, like, more of a, like, a, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know you're always going to get strange coins from doing the weekly, you know? And so you do the weekly every week to get the strange coins that you can buy stuff from Xur. It'd be nice to know, okay, like, I have to do this really hard thing but I'll do it every week so that I can get a chance at an exotic drop yeah. um, from the Prison of Elders. Otherwise, it just kind of feels like, well, what's the point of Prison of Elders that you're, you, you know, why do you keep running it? Right. Um, other than just to get good at it and gain experience, there there is a chance in the other chests for legendaries and stuff like that. Yeah, and
0: there's also a chance in those chests for the treasure key, um, but there are like some guaranteed awards every week that you can get. Uh, for example, uh, if you do the level 32 Prison of Elders, you can get an armor core, and you can take that to uh, Varex and trade it in for a, a piece of armor that is at the current light level. So that you can get to uh, get better armor or get different armor with different perks and things that way. Um, and then if you do the level 34 uh, Prison of Elders, you can get an armor core and a weapon core. So you can get a good weapon and a good armor. Um, and you get a theoric Light too. So I mean, it's like there are ways that, you know, there are reasons to run uh, the different levels every week. But not, like, for an exotic. Like, the thing about the raids and the fun thing about a lot of the raids was there's always at least two chances in in, in the two raids for an exotic. Uh, and so, like, a lot of times people would, you know, pull as many people as they can in for this exotic chance, you know, uh, for the exotic chest on, on the Gorgon Maze or, or whatever. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I the, the problem I have is that there's not a lot of chance for exotics unless you have just a plethora of these keys, you know, and and that's just random chance, so I've never gotten one randomly. At the end of the story, I will say this, at the end of the story, you get a key.
1: There was also, like, this rumor going around that the key only drops an exotic, has a chance to drop an exotic the first time you use it with each character every single week. Hmm. Um, And that sounds like it would be something that they would do. I haven't confirmed that so that way,
0: if you have like 14 keys chilling in your, uh, in your you know, from farming, you can't just go in and just get
1: 14 exotics. Right. You can't just spam the box and, yeah. you know, like have a greater chance of just pulling a Gellarhorn one day, you know, right. like there's still, you have still have to, I mean, which I, I agree with that, you know, because oh, yeah. then you could just go farm a bunch of keys, yeah. go into um, Prison of Elders and, you know, grab as many exotics as you can, fill out your collection. And, right. You know, it, it just kind of takes the, the grind part out of it, which, yeah, we all talk about a grind is like something that's bad but that's what destiny wants they want you to bungie wants you to come back every single day and play this game
0: well and that's like that's the other thing is you know looking at this uh, expansion i i'm kind of like pacing myself a little bit with it because it's like i don't i don't necessarily need every character to be at level 34 week two you Mm -hmm. know it's like i'm i'm level 33 with two of my characters and the other one is still chilling at level 32 so it's yeah i mean i'm working my way slowly through it because it's the the journey in this game is a lot of the fun and once you're there it's you know there's nothing to strive for however i'm still
1: searching for that galahorn yeah me too i want a galahorn i'm still looking for freight, freight bringer um but yeah like i agree with you like uh, you know this needs has to tie us over until september Correct. um whenever at least the new, there are the exclusive PlayStation stuff will come over. We play on Xbox. That's right. Um, but I think the the big drop is supposed to happen in September.
0: Yeah. And I think this one, like the funny thing about some of the marketing and some of the details about this one was it will take you to the max level in year one. Mm-hmm. You know, so this will be the max level that you experience within the first year of Destiny. So right. I don't know if that means like on the anniversary or like short, like really close to where the one year anniversary for Destiny is, they're going to drop something. I mean, it kind of hints at that. Um, yeah. So I don't know.
1: Uh, this is uh, again another one of those things we'll find out at E3. I guarantee it. You know, we, we will we will find out. Bungie's probably in in Sony's um, press conference what Bungie's plan is for Destiny for the next year. Right.
0: And they did. Uh, Bungie did uh, copyright a name. For like the DLC, yeah, or what for was somebody. it called? Like the Taken remember. King. Yeah, um, and it kind of had a it had like a logo with it, um, and it looked like Hive, which it would be strange to go back to Hive again um, after we've done. Uh, we haven't touched the Cabal or, or anything on Mars, yeah. Um, so, I, don't I know. mean, it,
1: they. But have, it would be fun. They've said in the past that they have two raids in the work right now. Um, so, like to me, like that's like okay. Well, maybe originally this was supposed to have a raid. I think you yeah. know some of the marketing materials kind of pointed to that. And, you know, maybe they were like, okay, well, I think it's better if we release Prison of Elders and Trials of Osiris first. I mean, what if the next one has two raids? One that was really meant for this, but then uh, another another raid that they're going to release with the DLC. Yeah. Um, I think you know with the new, next expansion, we'll probably see Mercury. I think we'll see. I think. Let me hang on. Let me pull up the app. In the app, they describe other planets.
0: Yeah, well, Mercury actually. There is a uh, there is a multiplayer Multi- map. You're right. In fact, it was the one that we was we were doing um, for Trials of Osiris last weekend uh, was a Mercury map. Um, and so, I mean, yeah you, you've got you've got a map that happens on Mercury. So they already kind of have an art style for some of the planet of Mercury, and mm-hmm. they have like this weird backstory to it as well, where the Vex turned it into a machine um, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so... The Grimoire, Grimoire cards uh, that, that have not been yet released, um, or at least, I haven't, sorry, I have not earned them yet. So there are cards for Mercury, there are cards for Saturn, and cards for Jupiter. None of those planets have, have been released in terms of the story for Destiny.
0: Yeah, and you can't I, go there.
1: Right, I could see those Mercury. those being released in this next expansion,
0: I mean that would be really, really cool. And and honestly, like we as far out as we gone, we're in the reef and you have like these uh people who like live out there and now we're friends with them. And so you wonder if maybe the reef uh that storyline can be a jumping point to some of these other uh farther out planets. Um so I don't know. I mean that that's uh that's intriguing. So
1: Yeah. Uh uh so let's talk for a second in terms of like the overall game right now. Like if you purchase yeah. this game and then um by the DLC. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty massive game right now. Like, yeah. you know, from start to finish, like I, I don't have a third character yet. And I'm like, man, if if I start a third character now, like how much time will it take me to get to like the same to level 34 with that character?
0: I mean, that's interesting. Um It would be a matter of it's not as easy as it was, uh, to get to the level cap right off the bat from, um, I think the Dark Below, like because the Dark Below, you could just buy armor in from whoever the Vanguard, yeah, from the Vanguard that was the correct level. And this, you have to earn it, uh, in in a lot of different ways. And so, I don't know, man, it's like that's an interesting thought. Like, if you were to, to buy this game, there's and then buy all the DLC too. So like the game, I want to say like it's on sale a lot of times for like 20 bucks. Yeah. And so you could get the $20 uh, game, the however, like what $20 expansion that just came out. And then I don't know if dark below, uh, goes on sale or you could get a season pass probably for cheaper than like for 35 bucks. So for the price of like $55, you have a lot of stuff to do. Like a lot of, a lot of time to invest. It's, it's got all the story missions. You can do two raids, right? You can do a horror, Horde mode, prison of elders, uh, and you can do like lots of PVP stuff. So lots there's like the whole package strikes now. Yeah. Lots of strikes. The whole package is ridiculously large. Like you think about call of duty where they offer arguably some of the like most content for your dollar every mm-hmm. year where it's a horde mode kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a multiplayer kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. it's got a single player campaign. This has all of that and more. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a pretty massive package.
1: What do you think they'll do like later on this fall? Like, they've got to do something, you know. Whenever they release the large expansion to, to make the price of entry not so high, because. Right now, you yeah. know, you buy the main game, then you have you know dollars add-ons, you know, and they release maybe a forty dollars upgrade. Like they ha- they have to to either repackage the f- the uh, the main game, the base game, and the the previous um, DLC or mm. something.
0: What's interesting is that um, the for the Dark Blow, the first expansion, uh, the multiplayer maps from that expansion are free yeah like they made them free like a few weeks ago um so like a couple weeks ago like so they're they don't want to splinter their uh player versus player base uh their pvp base and so you wonder like they're keeping in mind like that they don't want to splinter their base like DLC just inherently the way that it works is it will split your player base because mm-hmm. it's like some people have some of it some people don't have like this one like inevitably with Call of Duty or whatever you get into a, uh, a party of six people six of your friends and one person doesn't have the one pack you know right. and so you have to find uh, other people playing that are in exactly that uh, scenario where they just don't have that one pack. So I don't know. I think that Bungie and, and Activision knows that this takes place. Um, and they have done some things like with give making that free to kind of relieve some of that pressure. Um, but I don't know. You're right. You're going to have to have something that you do to keep the cost of entry down. So do you offer like, Hey, so if you buy this $40, or whatever you get the initial destiny game free. Or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you don't get the expansions. Maybe you don't, you know, you still have to pay for those. But the game that came out a year ago, yeah, if you buy this, you get that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's that That could be something they could do.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, like I could see them packaging it together and maybe a game of the year type of edition. Uh,
0: that would be a good idea. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, when all, everything is included, you know, maybe you, maybe it's a game of the year edition for $40. You yeah. know, and you get the main game, get the two expansions, and then, um, Uh, Then you buy another forty dollar expansion on top of that. That still seems super super high for people who haven't haven't played before. I
0: really think like thinking about like the way the price of the game is now, and if you bought that and both of the expansions, it's fifty five bucks. Yeah, and so I want to say that they might try to keep it under the cost of the like the game. whenever they release whatever this is. So yeah. like, like I said, like maybe I mean, you release a Game of the Year edition for $60 or even $65,
1: and it's got
0: everything and the new stuff.
1: Ah, I could see that. You know? That would make sense. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think probably would make them a lot of money too. That's the most plausible situation, I think. Yeah, um, and does make sense. And so, yeah, so in that situation, you could you could sell that version with everything for sixty dollars. If you already have Destiny and the other two expansions, you get the new one for forty, thirty, or forty. You know, right. something like that.
0: Right. Yeah, your core audience who have been playing for months and you know for all year have been you know, they'll have them pay, you know, however much, like forty bucks, like you yeah. said. And it's like, okay, so you make money off of that. You also make money off of new people and you don't um turn away people based on like you don't splinter your your fan base and yeah. your player base. So
1: do you think Sony continues their exclusivity deal? Absolutely. I do too.
0: Absolutely. I mean Sony like we talked about earlier in the podcast, like that's part of their strategy is to yeah. to get these big, huge triple A games with really dedicated player bases. Um and to to basically make the average consumer think that it's a PlayStation game only, right? Um,
1: yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, if you were going to rate this this uh, expansion, what would you rate it?
0: Okay, so thinking about like, okay, so I'm going to go back in time to the Dark Below. I would say the Dark Below would have rated me about like a seven point five seven, and this is definitely like an eight point five. Yeah, um, like it's not perfect. There are some things about it that uh that are. Um, odd and frustrating but at its core it's got a like every change that they've made has uh has solidly enhanced the game yeah um and while there may be you know it's like the frequency of the treasure keys and blah 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 that sort of thing it's like we can go into that kind of depth and dock points for it but overall it's like it's a solid package it's worth your money for mm-hmm. sure uh dark blue i think there was a lot of talk where it was like ah is it worth it because it undoes a lot of the, it undoes a lot of the stuff that I've, I've done before and all that sort of thing and and so if it wasn't worth this is definitely still like the, worth your money worth yeah. the 20 bucks so
1: yeah, yeah. Well, um i think you know um, going back to the main game, whenever it came out, I probably would have given that an eight. Uh, I would have given definitely Dark Below a seven, I agree. Yeah. And I give this an eight point five. I think it's up to the game. Um and uh and I think in terms of the overall game, well, you know, what would you give the overall game as it stands now? You, as
0: it stands now, if you bought this game uh with, with, the, expansions. with the expansions for the fifty-five dollars like I was saying. if it's
1: on sale that's only if it's on sale
0: yeah but it's on sale like most of the time yeah i i want to say if you if you want to buy this game and it's not on sale wait a week yeah you know it'll probably be on sale like because with games with gold it was on sale last month for 20 Mm -hmm. bucks and it's on sale this week for 20 bucks Mm -hmm. or something so i mean it's like it's on sale all the time um anyway or you could probably buy it from gamestop used for right that's true really inexpensive um Anyway, so I think I would rate it probably a good eight point five nine. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a like a really solid package now with a lot to do.
1: I agree with that. Yeah, if, if I was rating this again today with the current content, I would give this a a nine for sure.
0: So the funny thing about this story, there was a lot of things in the storyline. I think of the original game that was that felt kind of arbitrary in like the first, uh, even the first um, uh, whole vault of glass. Yeah. So if there was
1: gonna be a spoiler section. Yeah, this might be be it. it. So maybe Um, go forward five minutes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Basically... This, like, the storyline feels a lot better than the original story. Like, you made the comment where, like, man, I already like, like, on the second or third mission, you're like, I already like this better than the original story. And I would agree with that. Like, I played it through it um, three times by myself. Like, so, I mean, this isn't, like, co-op or whatever. I was playing through the storyline. I played through it three times by myself, and I
1: really enjoyed it every time. I mean, I think the main difference is the first, you know, the first main game uh, segment like they, everything just felt so fragmented mm. um where you know you would you would jump over to the uh, this part of the planet and you'd have this kind of a storyline and or like go over here and you have another part of a yeah. different storyline and like everything was so jumbled and never really came together like it kind of came together with the black garden um but like never really came together in terms of like well what was all the other stuff we were talking about with the prison of elders and we were right. talking about you know uh you know the this crota guy like we were talking on crota and, like you know level uh i think five or something yeah. like that you know and like you don't really um, kind of see the conclusion of that until the dark below, right? Um, so that, that, and and then even the vault of glass never really felt fit in anywhere no. until now, right? Um, which was one of the coolest parts about this, yeah.
0: And it's like and and so I also think that like because you're chasing down like this story is you're like you're hunting down uh, these guys who have broken out from uh, the reef and.
1: They've basically gone rogue. Yeah, they've
0: basically gone rogue, Um, and so you're hunting them down. And so, like, they really feel like a threat. You know, they very much like not only uh, from a uh, storytelling perspective, where they set up their, you know, their mythos or whatever, their their origin story pretty darn well, um, but also in like the threat whenever you first fight them, like whenever you fight them, they're very, very hard. And mm-hmm. it's, I was noticing that while we I was going through the levels, at times other, uh, like the Hive will show up, and like they're easy to kill in these missions. But then like the main people that you're fighting, uh, it's the Fallen, are all really harder to kill. Yeah. And like that, it's just very interesting uh, how they go about the storytelling in this and how contextually it just feels different. Um, right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun, man. Um, and I it think, definitely is in terms of gameplay. I think um, uh, this is end of spoiler section. I guess. Um, yeah, no more spoilers. No more spoilers. In terms of gameplay, everything just feels so fast. Everything just feels a lot closer and tighter. A lot of the the enemies they just rush you this time. You can't yeah. take the traditional kind of Destiny slash Bungie approach yeah. um, of backing up as far away as you can and just sniping everyone. You know, uh, that, that, right. that that was a strategy for a lot of games. And like with the, especially with the strike this. Um, this time. You can't do that. Closed spaces, yeah.
0: Um,
1: Prison of Elders is like that.
0: Yeah, Prison of Elders is definitely like that. Um, One last thing I wanted to mention about the Prison of Elders. I wonder if maybe the Prison of Elders was intended to be a raid... Uh, at some point, And then they just morphed it into something more than that. Like something that it, they were like, well, this can be its own thing and have different levels and it can be varied. And a lot of that sort of thing. Like, I just wonder, like you wonder if this was, if, if maybe not that they took out a raid that was supposed to be in this, um, because it wasn't ready or it wasn't good enough or whatever, but maybe they changed something from a raid to something completely different.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't I didn't mean to imply that earlier. Like I think the reason why they would have taken out the raid is because they saw a lack of three-player-based mm-hmm. um, mate, uh, gameplay material that um, the community needed. Right. Especially, you know, like, I think PvP was kind of dying. Like, uh, the Iron Banner was good, but it wasn't enough to sustain it for the next, you know, what? Uh, three, Eight three, months or three whatever? Months. Yeah. Um, and so... I think you know trials of Osiris every weekend like that makes it something exciting and something different every weekend you know like yeah. that's man that's enough to sustain it and then you think about um uh, the prison of elders like it's so different from anything else that we've played in destiny yeah. and it's only three people rather than
0: six and it starts at level 28 too so you don't have to be max level from dark below yeah. to, to have fun in there you or know?
1: to get the rewards you go get a key on in, in a random public event right you could possibly get like a really really high level exotic or piece of uh, armor um from one of those chests correct
0: yeah and, and it's like that's that's all great uh, reasons to, to make it this versus another raid. Like, I imagine they look at the numbers of, like, okay, so how many people actually complete the raid? How many weeks do they complete the raid? And, like, how do the numbers drop off over time? Mm-hmm. And maybe they just wanted to try something new this time and see what it what happened, you know? It's, like, I feel like that would be a legitimate reason to change the game. It, it's, like, if... Because I think they actually have released the number that very, very few people have actually completed. Right, right the raids and so like which is some of the coolest gameplay so they decide hey let's give the coolest some of the coolest gameplay to everybody at whatever level you're at
1: i think it's still um kind of interesting that this is still in-game content you know for sure yeah sure prison of elder starts at level 28 but like you don't you can't get to level 28 unless you like go through the vault of glass um yeah or, or at least like Yeah, level 20, well, you can go in the vault of glass level 26. I think the first vault of glass gear got you up to level 28. Now I think vault of glass gear now will drop at the current light level. Yeah. And so once someone in the base game gets the vault of glass armor, um, then they can, uh, they can get up to like the higher light levels pretty quickly. Um, but you know, uh, which is honestly a, a pretty good deal, you know. Yeah. If you're just now jumping in, honestly, just grind it out so you can go through the vault of glass, run through the vault of glass with your buddies on normal, and, You'll at uh, least
0: get one or two pieces of gear that'll take you up to
1: twenty eight, you know. And then you can rock least. the uh, yeah. yeah like,
0: then you rock the prison of elders, and you can potentially get even better gear there. You know?
1: I, I don't know, like, it, what is the base light level on gear now? The base light like, level, so it's so, so, so the base light light level on on raid on the uh, vault of glass gear has up, been upped. Yeah,
0: so okay. Like,
1: if it if you just drop it and you haven't upgraded it at all, like what 30, light level would you be I at? I think
0: you're at level like thirty two. I think maybe thirty one. I mean that's wild, dude. Yeah, it's nuts.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, crazy. It,
0: it's it's nuts, and and like that's the fun thing about the game is like there's so many different ways now to get your loot and to get like at a great level, mm-hmm. uh, and so I mean. Yeah, it's one of those things that before there was one route, and before everybody was wearing one piece of, uh, one like, the same outfit, basically. Yeah. Um, and now they've increased, like, the light level on this other gear and introduced etheric light. And you can actually use whatever gear you want. You know, you can, you can equip the gear that has the best stats. And it may be a mismatch, and it may look horrible, but it's like it may be the best thing, and it may look awesome. So... Yeah. I mean, I'm rocking a uh, mismatch, and it looks awesome. So
1: I'm excited to wear to upgrade and wear my Queen's armor that I got way back in the day yeah. with the Queen's Wrath.
0: Dude, I have a Queen's helmet that I'm uh, I'm super pumped about upgrading.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. How much Etheric Light have you gotten?
0: I have gotten. Uh I've gotten it in a drop on a nightfall. Um so I ran three nightfalls and I got one. That's where I got mine, isn't it? Yeah, you did get yours there. Um and then I have not run through on level thirty-four yet, Mm. um, which is gonna take a lot of teamwork to actually make it through on level thirty-four. Um so, I mean, like, that's, that's one of those things that once you get to level 34 and you can run the 34 uh, POE, you can actually get a piece of Ethereal light every week. And so, like, that's, you know, upgrade one piece of gear every week. So, like I said, it's like it's a slow burn right now because you slowly get your level up and you slowly acquire these things and start upgrading your past gear. But that's part of the fun of it. You know, I haven't, I haven't upgraded a, uh, a gun yet. Um, I'm upgrading armor, so that way it'll it'll serve
1: me better. Yeah, so. you'll go up light levels faster. Yeah,
0: and the damage like the damage you do to enemies and the damage you take from enemies becomes a uh, a bigger deal like
1: depending on different levels. Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, cool. That's our review of the House of Wolves Destiny DLC. Um, It's been a long podcast, but uh, thank you for listening. Um, You can find us online at sandtargetpodcast.com. Next week, do we have anything planned?
0: Um, No, I don't think so. Uh, On the calendar, we have... A release of Batman: Arkham Knight. Yeah, so
1: we will not review that probably because probably that comes not. out earlier in the week. And That's a
0: massive game. It's going to be a massive game. Yeah, so. I don't know yeah. if we
1: can play it all in two days, but we will uh, probably review that um, at some point. Not probably, we will review that at some point as soon as we finish it.
0: And the next week is E3 predictions, um, and, and I guess like starting June 11th and uh, rolling through the next week, we'll have. A lot of things coming down. Uh, do we have a Jurassic uh, World? We review? do have. Oh, that's next week. That's going to be no. That's going to be on the eleventh. Uh, so that's two weeks from now. Uh, on the same day as our E3 predictions. So, uh-huh. Yeah,
1: we'll be we'll be talking about both those on the Maybe same we'll, show. Well, start with some E3 predictions and roll into the uh, the review. Sounds great. Sounds cool. great. Um, so yeah, you can check us out online at StayOnTargetPodcast target podcastcom on Twitter at two five zero and John Wright seven 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 and at StayOnTargetPod. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, uh, tweet at us with the hashtag stay on topic yeah and uh you'll you win, win a p-
0: poster mm-hmm. if we pick your uh if we like choose to talk about it
1: yeah yeah uh, we have avengers we have batman versus superman we have several really cool uh, posters so just uh tweet at us and we'll get that to you um right away yeah that's it for this week we'll see you next time on stay, stay on target, on target.